You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Continue along in our series today. Uh, we're discussing what made Jesus mad in the book, and we'll we'll be looking at kind of rules versus traditions today, and what of those made Jesus mad. Uh, in most in the Old Testament, there were six hundred and thirteen laws slash commandments that the the people lived by, and we're going to discuss some of the, some of those today. We have two primary texts that we'll be going through. The first, Matthew 23, 1 through 4, and then the second that we'll look at is Luke 14, 1 through 4. So as we jump in, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves do not lift a finger to move them. See, the Pharisees were the quote-unquote experts and the keepers of the law. They weren't there to technically keep the laws themselves. They were there to make, make sure everybody else was keeping them. For example, one of the laws that they had, you couldn't work on the Sabbath. Well, there was a long list of things that, considered, that was considered work. One of them was you can only travel X distance. Depending on which reference you look at, it's somewhere around a mile, 3,000 steps. Well, the Pharisees decided, well, we're going to walk 2,999 steps. We're going to sit down, have a snack, have a drink, claim this is home, and get up, and we're going to walk another 2,999 steps and do it all over again. See, they were quote-unquote keeping the law, but figuring out their ways around them and how to break them. But it was up to them to make sure everybody else was abiding by those laws. Now, the 613 commandments are broken up into two sections. There's the things that you should be doing, and then there's a list of things that you should not be doing. And there's been all kinds of people who have conjectured and talked about and codified and talked about and tried to figure out exactly how these 613 laws should be broken up. And basically what they've come up with and what is the most recognized one is this. The negative commandments list is 365 commandments, one for each day of the typical year this year being a leap year. Then the positive commandments being 248, which would coincide with the bones in the body and the uh, major organs. All of that makes sense to me. If our bodies should be a quote-unquote temple, then why not have a rule or a law that we should follow to keep it healthy, to keep it functioning properly? And then the 365 is in there, you know, one for every day of the year, why not? Like I said, to me it makes sense. And these laws are broken out even further within the 
to-do list, there are 17 total categories. Some of them are the temple, sacrificial animals versus food animals, family, how to deal with them, who they are, then lawsuits, how to deal with them, and then how to worship. And the last one down there is, is cleanliness. There's a long list of things under cleanliness. And how to become unclean and all of the things you need to do to be clean again and ceremonial clean. And have you ever read something or heard something and you really have to go check it out and say, is that really there? Well, it is. And it's in the Bible, so you can't blame me. <laughs> but if you flip to the next slide, law number 192 the camp of Yahweh must be kept in sanitary condition. Now, I didn't put it up there, but depending on your translation, Deuteronomy 23, 12 through 14, says if you have to relieve yourself, you should go outside the camp walls, and you should take a list of tools. And yours may say spade, shovel, paddle, and it says if you have excrement, you should dig a hole and bury it. The only thing he doesn't say is whether you should wash your hands or not. So that's still debatable. <laughs> but even in the Bible, God understood bacteria and fungus and all of that stuff long before the people figured it out. It's in there. It blew my mind. God tells you how to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but it's in there, so you can't blame me. In our list of things not to do, there's 13 categories, some of them uh, false gods, blasphemy, sanctuary activities, loans and businesses, how to deal with them, sacrifices, tithes, and offerings. And then under sacrifices and tithes and offerings, there's a very long list of things. And two of them that we'll talk about Law number 154 and 155. The seventh day of the week is Yahweh's Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. Exodus 23:12 and 16:23. And law 155. Keep the Sabbath day holy by making preparations in advance. Exodus 20:8 through 11. And they, he talks about what the Sabbath is and working and not working. And then we'll talk a little, little bit more about what considered working and not working. But the Sabbath itself says the seventh day of the week. Well, the seventh day of the week is Saturday. That's when Jesus told us to rest. But yet we're here on Sunday. How's that work? Well, the Saturday is still the Sabbath. The Hebrews still observe Saturday as their Sabbath. But see, Jesus rose on a Sunday, and when he rose, the disciples started meeting on Sunday to break bread and commune. So Christians have taken Sunday and have made it our Sabbath, day of rest, in observance with Christ's resurrection. But yet the law was Saturday. Tradition versus law. There is no law that says you have to meet on Sunday, but yet we do. And those that meet any other day of the week, eh, 
We hold them accountable. You can't do that. I went to a church. We were getting, it was a smaller church. We were getting full. And they decided, you know, let's go ahead and try the Saturday evening service thing. So they did. And as most churches do, they ask kind of the core people, the regular attenders, hey, can you do the new service? Can you do the new thing? Leave some open space for new people to come into the normal, traditional 10 o'clock Sunday morning thing. So we did that a couple of weeks. We went to the Saturday thing. It felt wrong. (laughs) Couldn't do it. So we got up and went to Sunday anyway because it just didn't feel right for whatever reason because we've turned it into a law that you have to be at church on Sunday and at 10 o'clock. Well, how'd the whole 10 o'clock thing which is kind of the national average of church services. They start at 10. Some will have two services, some three. The whole 10 o'clock thing. Well, God said you had to observe the Sabbath. Well, if you look back through history, a lot of the people that were coming were farmers, agriculturists. They had things to do first thing in the morning. Fields to tend, flocks to attend to. They had to do all that before they could come Worship. So they would get their daily morning chores done and then they would come worship. So 10 o'clock became the thing. But we've turned it into quote unquote a law. You've got to be here. 10 o'clock is the service time. Order of service. Well, that's not in there either. But yet we have, you have to do this. The sermon goes here. Then there's communion. Then we do offering, and it has to be in this order. And if it's not, church is split because it's law. This is how service must go. These are the only type of songs you can sing. And if you do something new, uh, you can't do that. Law says, whose law? Ours, our own traditions, our own likes and dislikes. Communion. How many times do we take it? Well, we take it weekly when when we're here. Some churches do it monthly, quarterly, annually, only around Easter and only around Christmas. But if you don't do it our way, it's wrong. Churches split over that. And Tim Tim makes the comment that Irregardless of how many times they do communion, whether it's weekly, quarterly, or whatever, they manage to do offering every week. (laughs) And it's true. But the Sabbath, is it Saturday or is it Sunday? Our next uh, next scripture, Luke 14, 1 through 4, Jesus talks about the Sabbath. He did something on the Sabbath. It is one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat, eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of the body. Jesus asked the Pharisee and the experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And they were silent. So he took the man, healed him, and sent him on the way. See, he asked the Pharisees first, is healing working? What are you going to do if I do this? 
Well, apparently, healing on the Sabbath is not good, but you can go plan a murder. Because shortly after, they began working out how they were going to capture and kill Jesus. But see, it was the Sabbath. So what, what was he doing? Well, to make it perfectly clear, I think, Jesus performed seven miracles on the Sabbath. And seven is a number prescribed with, or aligned to perfection. Just in case there was any confusion over his time on earth, he performed seven. Leave no doubt. I'm not worried about what you think or don't think about the Sabbath if you are doing good. One of the very first miracles Jesus performs, he turns water into wine at a wedding feast, at a wedding party, as the, the, the wine was running out. And Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that he had turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Oh no. Jesus was at a party. Jesus made wine, and he made choice wine. He made the good stuff. And it's a real decent bet that since it was a common thing, that Jesus drank wine. After all, he was accused of being a drunkard by the Pharisees. And he made the good stuff. The alcohol in itself can be a, a taboo thing with Christians. Some say it's a sin to drink any at all. And that makes sense if our body is supposed to be a temple. But see, the law itself said drunkenness of any sort is the sin. So it's a really good bet when he said that Jesus drank wine. There's medical advantages to drinking wine or alcohol in any, any form. As Paul told Timothy, maybe you should drink a little wine to help with your stomach problems. Back then they didn't have great purification methods. They didn't have great uh, refrigeration methods either. So pretty much everything fermented naturally just because of the heat and the humidity. Now, they had the ability to boil the wine and they'd be left with kind of a gooey goo that they could stir back into water later when they were ready to, to drink something that was non-alcoholic or not fermented. But they would use the wine and dilute it, which would purify their normal drinking water to make it a little safe, safer to drink. So it was commonplace to drink diluted, watered-down wine. But if we look at it a little further, typical wines are in that 12 to 15% alcohol content. So even if they diluted it 50-50, we're still in that six to, you know, six to 8% range somewhere in there. 
The average beer is somewhere between 4 to 6% alcohol. You see what happens when you drink too many of those. So it's, it's obvious they could still get drunk, even on the watered-down, diluted, cheaper wine. But Jesus made the choice stuff. And again, we go back and forth. But it's drunkenness that it's the sin. When we get into rules versus tradition and what we look at and what we make law, we have our own here. Many of us have our own seats. And if somebody sits in those, our feathers get ruffled. We have our parking spots. I have mine. And there's two people that park in it occasionally. And they know who they are. But we turn them into laws. But it's only our tradition. But if we do something long enough, it becomes law. And we hold other people accountable to what we've turned into a law. That is what upset Jesus. The laws and the traditions that they were making, that they were keeping, that they were forcing on others and holding them accountable to things that he never mentioned, he never said. When we look at the 613 laws and commandments in the Old Testament under the Mosaic laws, those were 613 individual accountable pieces. One of them with, with working. Another example, they had, you couldn't you know, work on the Sabbath, what was work? Well, let's say you had something in your mouth and you, you, you know, spit it out. As long as it landed on something solid, well, you were good, that was fine. But if you missed the target and you hit the dirt, well, that was a sin because you just made mud. That was considered working. So 613 individual items were 613 individual accountable things. Then God came and gave us the Ten Commandments. And those Ten Commandments are ten items, but they are one. Essentially, you break one, you've broken all of them. And he, to he tells us that. But they are not individual. It is a one piece. Where we get confused and get into issues is the word law slash commandment. It's a very generic term. Are we talking about the, the 613 Mosaic laws or commandments? Are we talking about the Ten Commandments? Are we talking about both? Or are we talking about some tradition that we've turned and made a law that must be followed? Tim talks about in his book, he went to a very conservative church, uh, college. They weren't allowed to have long hair and they weren't allowed to have facial hair. So the very first thing that he did was his first report was about how Jesus had long hair and Jesus had a beard. It didn't change the school's perception or law, rule, while he was there. So the week of graduation, he decided he wasn't going to shave. And so when he walked across the stage, he had a week's worth of stubble. 
And he says in his book, to this day, he still has a beard. He hates it, but he refuses to shave it off because he feels that if he does, the school has won. (laughs) How many rules, traditions, and laws do we have that we will go to extremes to keep or to force others to keep or withhold? See, that is what made Jesus mad. That's what upsets him. Not that, we, not that we have rules and laws, but where did they come from? How did they get there? And what are we doing with them? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. God, just for your word. God, for your laws. God, for your grace and mercy. God, just as... Um, We have our own laws and traditions that we hold others accountable to. Uh, We ask that we are just held accountable to your laws, your rules. God, in your name we pray. Amen.